Hello, everyone. My name is Wes Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Wednesday, March 29, 2023 at Asia Markets Close. Welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Today, I want to talk about Alibaba's reorganization. Um, I want to talk about China PMI coming out on Friday as a potential process at global market moving catalyst. Commentary on the yen into Japan fiscal year end at the end of this week as well, as well as just a quick update on the rate space from the JGB angle. So first, Alibaba. Alibaba announced yesterday after Hong Kong close that Alibaba Holdings will restructure and split into six different businesses. Okay, so we have the cloud intelligence group, the e-commerce group, the local service group, uh, smart logistics, global digital commerce group, and digital media and entertainment group. Um, okay, so each of them with its own CEOs, like raising funds separately and then potentially listing as different stocks. Now, this is a huge move with wide-scale implications, and not just for Alibaba Group itself, but for many other ent- entities. And we just simply don't know what the full extent of those implications are as of yet, way too early. But let's just take a look at the initial market reactions. So again, this announcement came out after Hong Kong closed yesterday. So U.S. ADRs of ticker BABA Alibaba, those were the first to react. And so shares in the US were up 15% during US trading hours. Then at Hong Kong Open today, this morning, we saw Hong Kong listed Alibaba shares also surge, but then they kind of came off of their highs and they closed at its lows of the day, but still up 12% on the day. Nonetheless, this took the Hang Seng Index up 2% on the day led by big tech shares. So we have, you know, Meituan up 4%, 4%, Tencent and JD were also up almost 4% at the open, although cl- they closed down, you know, just around 2% on the day or so. Um, you also have SoftBank in Tokyo up 6% because of its stake in Alibaba, and that basically took the Nikkei index up 1.3% on the day. And then you have names like like Hong Kong Exchanges, for example, up nearly 3% at one point on, on the day because of expectations of like a flurry of IPO listings to come. And of course, NASDAQ futures were also lifted alongside the Hang Seng Tech Index during Asia hours and also currently continuing strong into European hours. European shares also uh, trading strong uh, off of off of this as well. So there are many potential implications from this Alibaba reorganization. Like I said, there's no way to know what the full extent is, but it will, in my view, be far broader than just Alibaba and just even just the other big Chinese tech potential breakups coming and the IPO deal flow and all that, right? So my kind of initial big, big picture takeaway is that this is this might be like a very rare and perhaps like even like a first time in a very long time seen moment in which what the Chinese government officials desire or demand are actually in line with investors' capital perhaps coincidentally, but nevertheless are, right? And I mean, we could see that today playing out in, in share prices. And I'll also, by the way, mention that like the price reaction too, this could very well be short covering and a lot of it likely is. But nonetheless, like basically what we have here is like we have the Chinese government who wants to crack down on big tech and has been doing so quite aggressively over the last year and a half, two years or so. They want to crack down big tech because big tech firms have just gotten too big and too influential. And so now with the split up, it's basically unlocking shareholder value as six entities, you know, the sum of its parts valuations are no longer kind of going to trade as as a conglomerate, right? I think that something like currently, 
like valuations are so beaten down on these tech shares and on Alibaba that like half of Alibaba's holdings market cap is like cash and investments. Okay, though I might be wrong on on that, but this is a very rare moment in which kind of self-interested and coincidental alignments between capital and like the CCP, right? And then to take it a step further, dare I say that it might even become like a potential test case for splitting up U.S. big tech because that's still very much a popular stance in the U.S. and globally for that matter. And, and, you know, Alibaba, I mean, is basically kind of, this is like the Chinese equivalent of Amazon, right? Because Amazon is also e-commerce, but then also has AWS and has like entertainment and so on. And so like uh, Scott Galloway, for example, he's been talking about this for years, right? You know, making the case for splitting up big tech, you know, the Googles, Apples, Amazons, and so on, so for Facebook, whatever, and making the case for, you know, unlocking shareholder value, unleashing competition from, you know, monopoly grip and, and all that, right? Like if Google were to split into search and then separately in, you know, YouTube as separate listings and so on, that would create much more shareholder value from a valuation standpoint. And then also at the same time, I mean, there currently there's there's no way you're ever going to see like a, a search startup, you know, launch in the United States, right? There's just completely monopolistic behavior happening. So, just keep an eye on this overall theme um, because we might see more coming, and thereby we might actually see the the Hang Seng Tech like not only just outperform the Nasdaq, but perhaps even at the expense of Nasdaq inflows. Staying on China, this Friday we have. China PMI coming. Now, the reason I mention this is, is because this can be a, like another potentially, you know, significant market moving, cross asset market moving catalyst. If it's a significant beat or a miss, either way, and I obviously don't know which way, but it it can be. And I say that because of last month's China PMI that did just that, right? So last month PMI came in well above expectations to fifty two point six. Okay, that was the highest reading since twenty twelve. And that happened just as that China reopened theme that had, you know, shares, China shares surging in January, that had been fizzling out in, you know, by the end of February and basically given back all its kind of January gains. And just at that moment, we have this huge PMI beat and the long China trade just basically reignited, at least for the moment. And we saw like huge cross asset moves, um, though they were short lived. So, Let's just like, let me just show you a few charts from that particular day. Okay. This is from the end of February, the last time that we had this China PMI print that's going to come out on the, this Friday. I'm going to use the yuan dollar CNH uh, as a reference point for, you know, market price action. Note that for these charts, this is dollar yuan USD CNH, but I've in inverted USD CNH so that when you see it going up, that's yuan going up, down is yuan getting weaker. So as you can see, this is dollar CNH inverted and the Hang Seng Index, and they're basically moving in lockstep. Um, again, this is not from this is from last month's, you know, at the moment that the PMI uh, print came out, that huge PMI beat. And you can see upon the release, Yuan made a 1% move on the day immediately following the data. Then the Hang Seng Index saw a 4.5% intraday move higher, which is massive. For both, right? A one percent intraday move on the on a fixed currency on dollar yuan is massive, and a nearly five percent move on an index is is also obviously huge. This isn't just like Hang Seng or China equities spillover. This just take a look at the reaction from SPX E minis moving directionally in tandem with the yuan. 
Now, later in this U.S. session, you know, on this day, S&P was back in the red during the U.S. cash session. But also note that leading into the Asia trading session and into this China PMI print, uh, E-minis were also in the red before the China PMIs were uplifted global risk assets. So if you take a look at spot Bitcoin price action against Yuan on that day as kind of a proxy for global risk asset price action, you'll see that it moved it moved that as well. Um, and then, of course, commodities, namely copper. I don't want to be like very you know hyperbolic about things, but copper prices and the yuan are basically the same chart for various time horizons, um, be it intraday, like this snapshot from a month ago, or you know over like a longer like one year horizon or whatever it may be. Now, note that it's not that the yuan itself is having like a direct flow effect into these assets and correlating cross asset price action, right? The, it's happening like on a they're they're separate and coincidental. The offshore yuan price action itself is just like a barometer of Chinese economic and financial market picture, right? And then separately, copper is as well. The yuan and copper are subject to factors other than say just China sentiment, right? They're two completely different assets. But with that said, it's pretty incredible how much just they mirror one another coincidentally in tandem. So that's why it's very important to keep an eye on dollar CN, CNY, dollar CNH, just the Chinese yuan in general, because it's a barometer of what's going on in China and how it's correlating to other sort of risk assets. Um, and then also on the currency front, I just want to point out the yen. I pointed out a few episodes ago, the drivers of the yen as of late have been not just 10-year U.S. Treasury yields, nominal yields, but also uh, crude oil prices. As of the last two days, we saw the yen kind of diverge away from those two drivers, and we're seeing like dollar yen upside on really no news. This is just likely a consequence of the last minute back and forth flows as we head into Japan fiscal year end at the end of this week. Okay, so just a reminder that Japan's fiscal year end is uh, at the end of March every year. Um, and keep in mind how crazy this fiscal year 22 was for j corporate Japan. From April 2022 to current, right, we had dollar yen go from 120 to 150, then back down to 130 current. There's probably a lot of kind of irregular flows and certainly not like a normal seasonal repatriation sort of schedule by any means, especially given this last month for those who were either jumping ahead of BOJ's March meeting or those who want to wait for certainty from the BOJ March meeting who then got met you know, right away, right after with Silicon Valley Bank. And so doing kind of last minute scrambling as well as the front running flows in, you know, anticipation of all that. Just wanted to give uh, that sort of update because dollar yen has been trading sort of uh, like abnormally in the last few days. Now, uh, on to just a quick like update on the rate volatility theme that I've been very much focused on as, as everyone knows. So, from the JGB angle, okay, on Monday, we saw a day in which 10-year JGBs saw no trades. And this is the first time that we saw no trades in 10-year JGBs in a month. Now, this is not abnormal. 10-year JGBs are, they, they frequently don't trade. This is why this just, you know, was the first time in only just a month. But currently, 10-year JGBs, they're far from the yield curve control levels of 50 basis points. And yield curve control levels that's where the only real activity takes place in terms of trading. So 
absent like any kind of turmoil happening in in rates in both Japan and global DM rates, the JGBs are just, just a quite illiquid, deserted secondary market. So JGBs like having no trades from Monday, that actually might mean that the global rate mayhem might be done for now. That's kind of my takeaway from it. Okay, so just something to, that I wanted to point out. So that's it for me. Again, just keep an eye on this potential market-moving event on Friday for the China PMI, as well as this ongoing theme with Alibaba um, out of Asia as well. Uh, obviously, on Friday, I will give an update after the China PMI comes out itself, but just giving a heads up that there might be this sort of catalyst coming. Make sure that you have your notifications turned on. Make sure that you're subscribed because these episodes are very time-sensitive to the trading day. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Across the Spread because I made a bunch of market commentary today on the Bank of Japan and CBDCs, for example. So follow me on Across the Spread, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.